morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a week before Christmas, and we continue to look forward for not only a celebration, but also reminding ourselves of the good news of eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And today we end the book of Isaiah, the sermon series, with a, a message of hope from Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 11, the year of the Lord's favor. And I'd like to emphasize that as God's people, we must continue to live a life that honors God in light of His eternal promises amidst suffering in the world and also the consequences of our own sins, to live with hope in the promises of our Savior, okay? The year of the Lord's favor. Let's pray. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, move within us and speak to us accordingly, O Lord, the message you would like each of us to receive. Help us, O Lord, to well up with understanding and also to be moved within our spirit to respond to your living word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, when you're young and vibrant and you have uh, big ambitions, you always wake up with lots of hope and expectation. But there are major trials and seasons in life where your expectations stop uh, surviving the rigors of life. For example, when you face uh, the death of someone dear to you. You know, you don't want to wake up anymore sometimes. Or you wake up with sadness in your heart. Or when you fail in a career. Or maybe if you're a businessman and you're facing bankruptcy. Or you face a difficult breakup with someone you really care for. Okay, and so it begins with a frustration. Later you feel dissolution. And sometimes you either wish you were not born or you would die soon. Because you just feel uh, your expectations have expired and they no longer survive because of the trials of life. And so I remember reading of this story that I, I, I'd like to talk about Chippy, a parakeet that always sings happy songs, bringing joy to the heart of its owner. And so one day, she, Chippy was chirping around, and the owner was vacuuming her house. And she was vacuuming Chippy's uh, cage, of course, to remove the dirt and the feathers. And Chippy was singing, and then the phone rang. The owner forgets to turn off the vacuum cleaner. And you know, with a loud tug, you know what happened? There's the song stopped, Chippy was gone, no? he was sucked into the vacuum cleaner, and so the uh, frightened owner no, hung up the phone, dig through the vacuum bag, and found the bird still alive, but stunned. So without thinking twice, he was covered in dirt, brings the bird to the faucet, and opens you know, fast-flowing cold water on the bird to clean it up, and then soap it and stuff. And then later, after seeing the bird you know, shaking in the cold, he takes out her hair dryer to dry the bird. And so Chippy looks a bit normal again, except for one thing. The bird lost its song. So Chippy did not sing again. And sometimes that's how we feel. We're, we feel washed down and beaten up in life. Right? But we are in Christ. We have the message of good news. We have a living hope. And yet, can followers of Jesus also feel washed down and beaten up? And the answer is yes. Sometimes you also do. You know, and especially at times 
when we feel we deserve what we receive. Okay? When we realize it's our own fault that we are in a difficult situation, so we, we feel we are undeserving of the grace and love of God. Okay? This is the same in our text today. Right? The people of Israel are kept in captivity by Babylon, and it was their own fault because warning upon warning by the prophets, they didn't heed the prophets' warning, and now it's too late. They're going to be taken to Babylonian captivity, and they will suffer the wrath of God. It was their fault, right? They refused to listen to the prophets. No, from refusing the voice of the prophets, they even spilled the blood of the prophets. So that is why there is such a difficult situation. No? Judah faces judgment, and yet, in the book of Isaiah, no, God lives a glimmer of hope. And that is the year of the Lord's favor. Yes, punishment will come. You deserve that punishment. But God will still bring a time of restoration, a time of renewal. Now, the year of the Lord's favor is not a literal year. It's actually a space in time characterized by the grace of God, the redemption of God, the deliverance of God. So for the book of Isaiah, the year of the Lord's favor was when God will rescue his people from the captivity of the Babylonians and put them back in their land no? and restore them as the people of God. That was what they will be looking forward to. It's like the year of Jubilee, right? When liberty is proclaimed throughout the land and all the slaves are once again set free. The Jews will return, rebuild their homes, and be a people once again. No? A glimmer of hope in a time of trouble or desolation. So Isaiah here is like a herald in Isaiah 36, an announcer. And what is his mission? To keep them on their toes amidst the suffering they face while they wait for the redemption, the hope of the year of the Lord's favor. So uh, there was an experiment uh, on rats. How long can the rat survive from the point of drowning. And this group of scientists realized that rats can only survive up to 17 minutes before they drown. It's a bit morbid uh, experiment. And so they did a second wave of experiments. This time, before the rats drown, they will pick the rat out, feed them, dry them out, and help them survive a few more hours. And then they will be subjecting the rat through the same drowning experiment. And then, before they drown, they will be picked out, <coughs> taken care of, well-fed. Okay? Several times they did this. And they realized that the rat was able to survive from 70 minutes to 34 hours. Because of one thing. This rat thought they will be saved. And that is the idea of hope. When we have hope or pag-asa, when we cling on to hope, we can overcome <coughs> until Christ returns. 
So in the world where giving up is easier than persevering to the end, the year of the Lord's favor gives us a picture of what it means to overcome those emotional and psychological and spiritual low points in our life so that we will emerge as winners, as victors, so that we can last till the end. Isaiah um, 61, the herald says, there is indeed hope for those who are oppressed. Hope for the oppressed. You know, uh, Jesus told his disciples, he is who is forgiven much loves much. And that is true, right? Uh, the woman who spent this amount of money to wash Jesus' feet with an expensive alabaster jar of perfume had such a love for Christ because she has realized how much she needed a Savior, right? No? And because unless we understand how undeserving we are, we don't understand the kind of hope that God offers to you and me. Let's read this up. Uh, verses together out loud. Uh, go back. Let's read the verse out loud. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the people and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Let's stick on that passage for a while. Okay? This message of hope was given to first the poor. They are the financially challenged. Those who have not enough to live by every day. The broken-hearted. Those who are emotionally challenged. Who are down and low. Right? And seemingly they have lost hope. The prisoners or captives. Those who are physically restrained. And this is exactly what they would have felt like our experience under Babylonian captivity, right? They were poor, distraught, and captives of their enemies, right? And they feel like, you know, caged bird without, at the mercy of their captors. And yet, Isaiah tells them, the year of the Lord's favor is coming, right? And all debts will be repaid, okay? There's good news for the poor. All problems cease. All illnesses are killed. All worries shall dissipate. You will be delivered from your enemies and once again be set free. Right? And so they were to look forward for that day in the midst of their suffering today. Because hope makes any hardship bearable at the present time. Right? Because we want to stay on until we experience that hope the object of our hope. So if you are feeling somewhat distraught and oppressed, if you are feeling poor, distraught, lonely, alone, or heartbroken, then this message is for you, right? There is hope for us. So similarly, the message of the gospel is a beacon of hope, right? Because in Christ, we have an eternal hope. We look forward for Christ. Return, there is hope for the oppressed. Aside from hope for the oppressed, Isaiah declares that there will be joy for 
the downcast. Stay there for on the slide first. Uh, I'll instruct when we move forward, right? Um, pain is when you got stabbed and you feel a jerk, an instant sensation of pain. Okay, it's momentary, it's short, but when it is agony, it is a continuing pain. Right? And sometimes it's harder to have emotional agony than physical pain. And it happens when we feel rejection, failure, loss. Right? So we are talking here about experiencing joy in the midst of prolonged agony. And that is being in captivity for them during that time. Verse 2. Let's read out loud together. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Right? The herald declares, yes, the year of the Lord's favor is coming, right? And as the downcast seeks deliverance and comfort, and it does not happen, of course, you will have this slump, emotional slump, right? Of You want to give up and quit. But here, we see the guarantee. God will step out. God will balance the skills. God will exact vengeance. God will judge your enemies and bring comfort in the time of mourning and sadness. From ashes, right? That's a sign of mourning. Usually, the Israelites, they cover their head with ashes when they are sad, when there are great losses. But then they will wear headdresses. This is a sign of rejoicing and celebration. From having the oil of... Uh, there's this oil... This morning, now they're having the oil of gladness. And they will, instead of a faint spirit, wear a garment of praise. An exchange, trading your sorrows for the joy that is from the Lord. And that is when they will experience healing of their emotional, psychological wounds. It is not a removal of sadness. It is an exchange because God will be giving inexplicable joy. That joy is not a pursuit, it is a gift from God. So from feelings of despondency and desperation, God's comfort will put them in a position to praise God once again. You know, we live holy lives today as we wait for Jesus to come back because there is joy for the downcast in Christ. In a world where God's people constantly face persecution and ridicule. The year of the Lord's favor reminds us to hold on to the promises of God. Right? So, since there is hope for the oppressed and joy for the downcast in Christ, our Savior today for you and I, in God, their deliverer during their time, let us not neglect meeting together frequently as we see the day approaching. 
right? We are to carry one another's burdens. And so, if you have not been active in church, participating in fellowship, in small group, in prayer gatherings, it's time to return, right? Because with that joy and hope that God places in us, now those flicker will become a burning fire when we spur one another and carry each other's burden and stir one another towards love and good deeds. Let's continue. Okay, Isaiah 61 also reminds that there's restoration for the remnants. Okay? So it's the age-old debate is what is better, the old or the new. Right? So young people, they like new, innovative gadgets. Old people like, you know, vintage stuff that, you know, lasts really long and still look great. And there's this debate, what is better, the new or the old? Now, John Ortberg in the book Young Beyond Reason talked about this elderly couple who were having a LQ lover's quarrel. You know, the wife, elderly wife said, I'm not satisfied with our distance now because we have grown old. When we were young, you used to hold my hand in bed. And the old guy hesitates at first, but in a few moments, a wrinkled hand, you know, snakes across the bed and grasps the hand of the wife. Yet she is still not satisfied. And she said, when we were young, you used to cuddle right up next to me. Okay? And he had more serious hesitation, but still, with a few groans, he gives in, turns his body and cradles her as best as she can, he can. But she is still not satisfied. And she said, when we were young, you used to nibble on my ear. And the man had a loud sigh. <sighs> and he throws back the cover and bolts out of the bed. And the, the elderly woman felt hurt. Where are you going? So the husband said, I have to get my false teeth to nibble <laughs> on your ear. Right? And so sometimes we look for the old. We want the new, and that is always this age-old debate, right? But we need to hold on to the fundamentals of our faith, okay? Those uh, important areas, those overtones, they are excesses or, you know, creativity, it's okay, right? So the idea here is the remnants are not leftovers. The remnants they're talking about are not the leftovers. People who will be stuck and they're the, you know, the latak. No, no, they are not. They're instead chosen in this passage to remain for the work of restoration. Right? And later, this idea will be the faithful remaining until the return of Jesus. Okay? It's like... Uh, Calamity comes, those who remain, they will be rebuilding. Right? And so that's why the remnants here, 
will be like in verse 3 and 4, they are going to be oaks of righteousness, like a sturdy tree. Right? They are going again to live a life that honors God. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Now, it's God who made sure that they stay and remain faithful. Okay? They shall build up ancient ruins. They shall raise up for from former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. They will be established by God himself to restore things to what God intended it to be. So if there is a restoration needed in your own walk with God, in your own ministry, right? You need God's initiative, okay, to restore. We need to only surrender to his restoration. So we are to look forward and anticipate for Christ's turn and remain faithful. Okay, not only will there be a restoration of God, to God's intended purpose, we are also to be a witness to all peoples. A witness to all peoples. Now, if we're familiar with the Old Testament, Israel is God's chosen people, but they misunderstood it that they are a special people, a superior race. But instead, the purpose of God has always been that they will be a channel of blessing to all nations. And so their promotion is not for them to be arrogant or to be better than others. It is only a witness of the power of God to those who remain faithful to him. And so in verse 5 to 7, let's look at what will happen. Right? Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. Right now they were captives and slaves of their enemies, but when the year of the Lord's favor returns, the foreigners will be the ones serving them. Verse 6, But you shall be called priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as ministers of our God, and you shall eat the wealth of the nation. So they are to represent God to all the peoples and bring his purpose and desire for them to return to the Lord. And in their glory, you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in the land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. Right? Instead of being subjects of slavery, they will now lord it over the others. Instead of, you know, being in shame and dishonor, they will be ministers of God. And they will receive a double portion and have the joy of the Lord, sit in seats of honor so that they can be a witness to the nations of who their God is. Right? That is the idea. If your life is currently a living testimony that God is real, is your life a testimony that God is indeed good to those who are faithful? Right? We live holy lives in anticipation for Christ's return 
so that we can be a witness to all the peoples of the world of Jesus. So in the world where there's evil and injustice and shocking realities, even Christians need to understand, right? The year of the Lord's favor gives us hope, right? There will be restoration so that, and there will be us witnessing to people of the goodness of God. And so in application, brothers, sisters, as we celebrate the holiday Christmas, don't forget discipleship. Don't forget discipleship. What do I mean? We are to follow Christ faithfully and make disciples of others. Right? Where are you in your own discipleship, in your journey with God? Where are you in your disciple-making, in your influencing lives for the glory of God? Let's go back to the basic. Go back to the Great Commission. Live out our purpose to be witnesses of God. Right? Uh, Ten minutes, tama-tama lang. And last two points uh, for today. Now, God is also a God of justice. Right? And so in the Old Testament, the prophets talk about the injustices of the world. Right? We are talking about social justice. And because it runs contrary to the character of God, when people suffer injustice among God's people, it is unbecoming of God's people. When God's people themselves exploit the weak and poor, discriminate the lowly and outcast, oppress the powerless and under privilege, it is an insult to the very character of God. Upon accepting an award, the late Jack Benny remarked, I don't deserve this award, but I also have arthritis and I don't deserve that either. And he said, to do injustice is more disgraceful than to suffer it. There are many things in life that we have that we hope we do not have. We bite the bullet. But to make others suffer for our benefit, that is simply that right as the people of God. But in the day of the Lord's favor, there will be justice for those who are wronged. God will be the one to balance those scales himself. Verse 8, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring. The Lord has blessed. Right? Verse 8 tells us that loving justice and hating wrong is the very character of God. Okay, so he will punish injustice, yet also he rewards the faithful who upholds his justice. Right? And he is not ashamed to call them his children. Right? To call them his children. And he will raise them up. That is being the people of God. No? Sometimes we feel we're victims of injustice. But the sad part, if, if we're on the other side, we're the ones causing 
injustice to the people around us. Right? In a world where people suffer wrong, the year of the Lord's favor not only asks us to trust in God's justice, but to be agents of God's justice. Right? And so, finally, when this happens, people will come and ascribe to God what He alone deserves, which is the exaltation of His name. The exaltation of His name. Let's read that passage, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. Let's together. My soul shall exalt in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom deves himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress. Verse 11. Last verse. And as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth springs forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before the nations. Yes, when this time comes, we can openly praise God because we know that what we have is are His gifts. Justification, sanctification, even our glorification is because of what He caused for righteousness to sprout up among the nations. And so we can boast in the Lord today even though this prophecy was talking about the restoration of Judah. Yet, today, we also have a restoration we are looking forward to amidst the sufferings in this world. Because in Jesus, we also have hope for the oppressed, joy for the downcast, restoration for the faithful, you know, the opportunity to be witnessed before the people, justice for those who are wronged, and of course, the exaltation of his name through us. For disciples of Jesus, the year of the Lord's favor is also um, asking us to await for the return of Jesus. Right? First, he came 2,000 years ago, and then he is coming again. And we're in the middle of that, awaiting his glorious return. And so we can persevere looking forward for his return because they waited for his first coming and he did. They waited for thousands of years. Now from the time of the prophecies, they waited and they met their Savior. And now today we are waiting again a few thousand years, 2,000 years has passed for another time, the return. Don't give up. Hold on to your belief. Strive hard. God is with us until the end. He will never leave us or forsake us. And even in the Great Commission formula, he said, right? As we obey the Great Commission, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, we have been talking about Advent. You know, seven days before Christmas. Every year, this celebration is a reminder for us to hope in Jesus and Jesus alone. When Jesus first spoke in a synagogue in Nazareth, right, he was handed the book of Isaiah. 
and he reads from Isaiah 61. He opens the book and he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Exactly Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3. But after he reads it in the synagogue in Nazareth, he closes the book, gives it back to attendant, okay, and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Why? Because after he read this passage, he gave this most startling statement, and that is, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, Jesus said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amazing, right? Because Jesus was the fulfillment of this promise in Isaiah 61 to the people then and to us today. He was anointed by the Spirit to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty. Not only that, to heal the blind, to free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Yes, He is the Messiah who came and the one who is to come. So as we celebrate Christmas, let's remember the grace of God that first appeared in that manger 2,000 years ago, who will later become the man who will die for the salvation of all mankind, right? He brought hope for the oppressed, joy for the downcast, restoration for the faithful, the message of salvation to all peoples, justice for the wrong, a reason for us to well up in praise. And today we are to look forward for his second coming. He will no longer return as an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes, but one day when he returns, he will return in the glory and power of our king. Right? And so Titus 2 verse 7 to 14 gives us, a uh, 13 gives us this challenge, right? Let's read together. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That's Jesus a thousand years ago. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus. Being caught in between, we look back and look forward so that today we can renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives for His glory. We persevere. You know, we spur one another. We don't give up meeting together. We continue in our discipleship because we know that when Jesus returns, well, he will be like the day of the Lord's favor, you know, bringing us hope, joy, restoration, justice, making right 
all that has went wrong. And so as God's people, holy and dearly loved, you know, live a life that honors Him in this world. Hold on to His promises for all eternity. Suffering is fleeting. Difficulties will be there, but we have a sure hope in Jesus. And as we celebrate Christmas, you know, let our hearts be filled with hope and gladness that we have such an amazing Savior, an answer not only for your need and problem, an answer for all that there is. May our hope be fully dependent on Him. So now for our response song, let's continue to wait on our Lord and look forward for what He will do in our lives. <laughs>